Welcome to Win Win, a podcast from the Department of Sport and Exercise Science at the Waterford Institute of Technology. I'm your host, Bruce Wardrop, and in each episode, I chat with someone who works behind the scenes in sport, helping athletes to maximize their performance potential. If my guest is winning, hopefully their athletes are winning too. In this episode, I'm catching up with Tyrone Kerwin, a fourth year nutrition and exercise student who has just returned from his semester of placement. Tyrone, thanks a million for agreeing to speak to me today. I know you guys are very busy being your final semester and all, so I do appreciate you taking the time this evening. Well, happy to be on, Bruce. Thanks for the opportunity. Let's dive straight in. So tell us, where did you go on your placement and what did you do? Uh, on my placement, I went over to the University of Minnesota. Um, I went and worked with the, uh, the American football team in the Gophers Sports Nutrition Department. Okay, so yeah, the Minnesota Golden Gophers. I was doing my homework earlier on. They are in the NCAA Division One, which I am informed is the highest level of college football over in the States. So it's it's a pretty big deal over there, football at the University of Minnesota. Yeah, it's... Uh, one of the, definitely the biggest sport over there and um, did have a lot of uh, interns and stuff. There was a big department in nutrition. There was about 22, 23 interns uh, working between there and all the sports. Go, so you were part of a team of 22 or 23 other interns? Yeah, about that, just in nutrition alone. So That we is up. unbelievable. That's like, well put some context to give us some context so how big like how many staff are working behind like do they have a whole suite of sports science strength and conditioning for the football team yeah so the strength and conditioning would be about five staff so they're there all year round basically every day then you would have like the general manager it basically works the very same as like an nfl team they'd have uh, people doing like logistics traveling to games like there's a lot of ga- all the games really are out of state so it'll be like organizing airplanes. We'd have to organize all the food and um, the staff number off the top of my head. I can it's at least, I'd say, 80 to 100 anyway, of just staff. That's mad. Like, I, I obviously I have no experience in American college sports, but we obviously we get the impression of how big it is from television and from movies and things like that. The university itself, I, I believe, has 50,000 students. That's the same as the population of Waterford's uh, just just as just as students. So was it that did it feel that big when you were there? Uh, population wise, yeah, well, it's it's. It was just, it was enormous. It was just going on to the campus itself. It was just like very well laid out. And like there was like a train system would go through the college. So you would hop on, like, like it was the main tram that would have worked in Minneapolis. Like that would have brought you from the city out to like all the malls and everything. But it was just that the college was so big. They obviously had a part of the infrastructure that drove through the college. So I kind of <laughs> highlighted it itself. Uh, yeah, it just brings it home how big it actually was. So, okay, when when you were there on placement, part of the in, the nutrition team working with the American football team, you were part of a, a big team of interns. What was a what was a normal day like for you when you were on placements? So I was I was definitely I'd say because I was there solely just for doing like the nutrition with them. Uh, the others had a, a lot of, to be in fairness to them over there. They're very hard working. They have a very like busy schedule. And they were doing school, they were doing the internship, and it's an unpaid internship, so they were working actual jobs at the same time. 
So a lot of people have two or three different gigs trying to run it all. So I was there because I was solely just there for that. I would have been there about 60 hours a week, they'd say, more. And then they kind of, it's just whatever slot they had available. But a lot of them were getting up at 5 a.m. just to go in there from 6 into 9 before college started. Then they go off to college and then they might work their actual job in the evening. We were just trying to work everything in. Uh, the way it kind of worked was there was about, like I said, there was about 22, 23 interns. I'd say about half of them worked over at football alone. And then the others were kind of spread out to all the other kind of Olympic sports. Um, but my typical day for me, since I was there a lot, I would kind of get up or be in there for about eight o'clock. Then you would go in and there would be people. In, I did to cover breakfast sometimes as well. But you would go in and you would cover breakfast in the morning. Uh, so the players got every meal. Like each meal was provided for the players. So they would go in. Depends on uh, how it worked. It was like there was offensive lift one morning, then defensive the next morning. So you would go in, you'd set up like all oh, your breakfast, uh, all set up for them, kind of like a station. Uh, it was at like the nutrition kitchen, like the nutrition bar kind of area. So they would be able to go behind and get protein drinks, water, etc. They didn't have the breakfast stuff. Then that was about from six till about eight because another team would come in then an hour later once they're done their session. Then once that's done, we're kind of organizing all that stuff. We could get a delivery in from Costco. They would have been uh, delivering like we like Musgraves, get cash and carry. And we'd be getting like pallets of food in. So we'd have to organize the inventory. Then you'd have the players would be off doing like film. So they'd be getting going in, seeing what they did in their sessions yesterday, how they can improve, uh, just kind of like upcoming things. Then from that, then we would set up our we did like pre tables and post practice tables, uh, all nutrition obviously. So pre tables would be we'd have like it was a Powerade sponsored school, so it was all Powerade products, uh, like hydration wise. So we'd be making like electrolyte solutions for the players before they go out. Have like so like Rice Krispies, we'd have uh just different carbs and stuff for them. Then we'd have that set up. The players would go out and play. Uh there's a lot because obviously they're in college, so they would do their kind of training up until about eleven or twelve, like uh in the morning. And then as they were training then I'd be over getting their lunches ready for them. So I'd go over and I'd build like their plates or like in their to go boxes. And then I'd have that in their dressing room, draw after locker. Um, so to literally just leave, some of them have to leave training early if they had classes. So then they would go and pick up their meal, go off to class. Then when that's happening, <clears throat> they have like meeting rooms as well, where for the coaches and all the players. So we would then go and restock all the meeting rooms. Then once that's done, then we I kind of got like an hour off, uh, hour or two hours off, between like one to three. Then their dinner would come at three o'clock and they had between three and six to come and pick up their dinner. Uh, so we, I'd be there administering the dinner and all as well. So I'd probably finish up because if there's any leftovers, you bring them up to the fridge because a lot of the players, they would be, have, might have night classes if they're doing masters or they would do a lot. Of, they have to do tutoring a part of their, because they're on the team, they would miss out some classes. So they'd have tutoring then. So some of them might be in there at six in the morning and they're not getting home till eight or nine PM. Uh just being there all day. That so, sounds kinda of like you as well. <laughs> yeah, I was <laughs> I was there till about seven or eight uh most days. 
That's one of the less glamorous things, isn't it? When you're working behind uh, the scenes, you've got to be available before the athletes start. You have to be there when the first athlete is ready to go. You've got to be there ready to work. And then you have to be there until the last athlete goes home. It can be long days. Yeah, that's something you're kind of not really, I wouldn't say you're not prepared because obviously you're prepared to go over and you know you have to work hard. But like you just said, it's one of the not so glamorous parts of it. That you have to be just kind of prepared to put yourself out there and, for those opportunities really i think to be honest yeah it's like i've from listening to you there is i i know people can't see me but i'm literally just nodding ahead here and uh, nodding my head it's so interesting to hear you know not just the, the, like the the, the day to day of what you were doing but then the scale and the logistics of looking after a sport that big like to hear that the, you know costco are bringing deliveries in a couple of times a week just to keep things stocked up is oh, it's just something that you don't think about yeah. Oh, not at all. And even the be us in the meantime, we'd be going over to like the targets and all the local stores to get more stuff to top them up. Um, and then you'd be sitting in on like sponsorship calls, like to be other companies trying to ring in. You don't think you like, <clears throat> excuse me, you wouldn't think that there even is until you're in the environment that there is this goes on behind the scenes that there's little things like the companies reaching out wanting to sponsor uh, the team just because it's such a big scale, I suppose. Uh, yeah, they're, they are, they're one of the biggest football colleges or schools in America, I think, aren't they? Yeah, because the yeah, they're in the Big Ten. So be the lads kind of preparing for like the NFL draft and stuff. This will be like their next step. Their hope will be to be there for five or six years and then go be drafted into the NFL. So, yeah, that that's somewhere I wanted to go with this. So, they, like, these college football players are pretty much professional in every way, except they're not getting a salary. Um, how seriously do they take things like their nutrition? Is, this, uh, is, is it something that's a big part of their game? Oh, yes, yeah, definitely massive. We, we spent upwards of tens of thousands every month. Uh, we're going into just, like, the nutrition alone. Um, it's taken well serious by the players themselves but like or well the staff but then the players themselves um now a lot of them wouldn't you would even think even the players who are performing the best you would think they would have these real rigid strict diets but some of the players <laughs> it'd be hard to get them because you would think that the thing might be overfeeding or whatever but uh, the job over there was really players weren't eating enough they weren't getting a lot into them like there were some players that were just eating like cereal and that was all they could do but they were performing at the same time. So you're kind of taking, <laughs> you'd be thinking to yourself, you know, the evidence base and everything that's kind of like in literature, but then this is obviously working for him as well. So it's kind of being open to the players as well because they all have their own preferences. And then you're trying to bring your side of the science into it as well. Yeah, uh, I often so find... I've often, I've, it's, a, it's an interesting question there because when you see an athlete who's perhaps, you know, they're operating in a way that you think is not optimal, but they're performing well. And then I always throw it back and say, well, how good could you perform if you were taking care of all these other things as well? Yeah, that's what we kind of really trying to sell. It's just that they're obviously there because they have the skill and the skill level, but it's kind of how better could you be if you're really like, you know, maximizing your performance by bringing in kind of the principles. And they are very open to it. Um, it's just really building trust with the players. And then once you're there and they see you there so often, um, that's when they come to you one on one and ask you the questions. Um, but you definitely have to be there. <clears throat> Sorry, there's another voice. But you definitely have to be there, kind of constantly. The more they see you around, really, is the more when they come open to you 
and they can kind of help because the little two, like one to two minute conversations are really what builds their trust and really kind of teaches them in it. Because you're up there standing and you're talking to them for half an hour. They don't really care, to be honest. But when we have our tables and all set out when the player's over and he's like, well, why am I eating this or why am I drinking this? That one or two minute exchange like teaches them so much. I feel like there's more value in that than there is you up there with a presentation or it's unrealistic to them, really, to be honest. Yeah, I know. I agree wholeheartedly to you. Be amazed, like, you know, how much good work can be done walking down a corridor with someone and talking to them for, for two minutes. Or like you said, those little, little, little snippets of conversation that you hand or have around the place uh, can be really impactful. Uh, for for those athletes, um, how personalized was the nutrition plan that they got? Like, so did every? I know you said it was kind of hard to to get some of them to do what you wanted them to do, but uh, how how personalized was the the plan supposed to be for each of the athletes? To be honest, it was kind of more about calorie based. Uh, there were big kind of on the, the players would be taking their weight every day, and you would think at that scale. They'd be having dexes nearly every day and not doing uh, body weight. But it's more of a case of they were just trying to make sure that the players were actually eating and that they were fueling themselves, <clears throat> that they weren't losing weight too quickly. Because then they would have took that as a sign of, oh, they're obviously not eating enough, um, which is kind of debatable on both sides. The strength and condition would have taken the weights and then we kind of... Uh, if anyone was kind of lacking or anything, we would kind of sit with them and do kind of counsel them one-on-one then if there was any players that were like significantly losing weight. Um, but personalized, it, like there was personalized because different players had different religions and stuff. Okay, yeah. So that, that obviously had to be taken into consideration. Then there was allergies and stuff as well. Some players weren't like say able to eat eggs. Um, so we'd obviously have to think of that when we're making orders. Um, but there wasn't, to be honest, like when I went over there, I expected it to be all Excel spreadsheets and I was going doing courses online before I went over. And then realistically, when I went over, it was really, really simple. Like I said, I even said it to the director when I was over there. I was like, <clears throat> do you use like any Excel or any spreadsheets? Do you use like any programs? And simply no, because there was about 125 players and it was just, was impractical of our time to be sitting developing macronutrient targets and everything with the players unless they struggled or they had injuries or if it needed to be one-on-one but it wasn't that every player needed it and to be honest it's more about showing a player what a plate looks like because that's more relatable to them than seeing the numbers so if i was able to say we would go over with the players a few times before matches so say if they had a match of a Saturday, we go over with them on a Friday and we'd be in the kitchen with them when they were making their lunches and we'd be like, okay, lad, so we want to see the plate 50 to 60% carbs, uh, this amount of protein, fat, whichever, veg, and then we'd be explaining that to them. We wouldn't say to them, all right, lads, we need 100 grams of carbs there today and this, because they just they go in one ear and out the other and they just wouldn't really understand. It's more relatable to them to see it on a plate. Yeah, half a plate of this, a third of a plate of that, whatever. You know, simple, simple instruction. That's that's really interesting to hear. Again, my gut instinct on it would have been the opposite. I would have thought, like you, it would have been all very um, regimented and structured and 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 controls. 
Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting to hear. Some of the things are different in terms of the scale of, of the operation and some of the things are not as big as they thought they would have been as in, in terms of personalizing things. How important, you mentioned travel earlier on. So how much of an impact or did, did travel have on what you guys were doing? Um, so they had a game every week. Uh, not every game was away, but they would have two or three games in a row which were so you will be organizing with catering companies uh in them cities or in them states uh you were kind of working hand in hand there was a good relationship between the dietitians to be honest uh, a lot of the times our dietitian would call the opponent's dietitian and just ask them what is good places in the area etc and you would think maybe <clears throat> they wouldn't give you any of those details because you're obviously going to be playing them in a few days around but there was a good network in America between all the dietitians. We would meet some of them before games, etc., and chat with them, whatever, and they'd be always happy to do that. Um, but there near the end, um, as I was leaving, they had done that externally with like a, a vendor. So the vendor would organize um, all the meals and stuff for when we arrived. So, my, well, the hotel might provide some meals, but say after the game at the stadium, the meals be waiting for the players as they're done the game. So you would come out and we'd have like tables all set up and then the players would just come simply and just grab it and head off. So it was really organising that with them. We'd have like a trunk and we'd have to have things obviously for game day because they'd be setting up tables at the game and at half time and stuff. Um, so they'd have like a big trunk and we'd be just stocking that uh, weekly just before it heads off and then We'd have like a, we had another thing, it was called like a revitalite. It would have been like a jaw light. So we'd have to make sure all those things and all were packed uh, along with the trunk. So. That sounds, sounds so interesting, like a, a really fantastic experience. How do you feel, now this is a, a, a different type of question. How do you feel that you were, how well do you feel you were prepared by, by your time in WIT when you headed over there? Like, do you feel your degree had, had you well prepped to do that kind of work? Yeah, I think a lot of people kind of overthink it. Like, you don't actually know how much you, you know until you're out there. Like, you go over there and you're thinking, oh, jeez, I'm going to be really thrown at the deep end here now. And hence, that's why I was out there doing courses and all over summer. I was like, I want to be well prepared now when I go over here. These are all going to be geniuses or whatever. Um, but to be honest, you you really know a lot more than what you think um, when you're going over there. Because you have to think of it realistically. If you're working with players or you're working with any athletes, they're not after doing your course for the last four years or whatever. Um, you know more than them straight off the bat. If I had a tall MD the floor, they would have eaten the floor <laughs> realistically. <laughs> we didn't advise that, but uh, it's just you kind of put more pressure on yourself. So it's in your own head, I think, going over. Um, but it was really a lot, a lot simpler when when I had went over, and it was a lot of uh, the basics more than anything. It wasn't anything too complicated or like too fancy. Yeah, it's often the way. It is often the way in in, in high performance sport. What about organizing the? Well, first of all, how, what made you think about going to the states in the first place? Uh, I always seen when I came to like WIT or whichever, not even our course because we're obviously the first year of our course. But I had seen it in like sports coaching and stuff. I've seen like player or students going to maybe soccer clubs in England and stuff. And <clears throat> as you probably know yourself, like nutrition. It, it's not as much money in the hair or in the UK as it is over there. So to be honest, it wasn't even that I seen Minnesota and I was like, oh, these are, I definitely want to go here. 
I actually had taken advice from Chris Thompson when he was there lecture and he was on about just literally going on LinkedIn. He helped me set up like LinkedIn and everything and he helped a lot of us. And I literally went on, had made a generic message, sent it out to, I'd say, every college in America who had a dietitian uh, working and had somewhat of a facility. And I'd say I sent about 300 messages. I'd say 10 of them replied. Four of them were, yeah, six of them were about no. Four of them were, yeah, uh, in or out. And then Minnesota kind of caught on. Um, and I, they were the ones that got it in the end. Um, but it was really, not that I didn't want to go to Minnesota. I obviously loved the opportunity there. But I would have seen them as a college that had the facility and they had kind of like, they had 23 bloody interns just in nutrition alone. So they're obviously well developed and they had respect for the area or whatever. And they were going to get behind you. So it was really kind of once I got more closer in touch with them, I was like, oh, this is like 100% the place where I really want to go. Like, and so once, so once that um, that relationship or that communication started between you and Minnesota, was it difficult to organize visas, travel, or how did it all fall into place? Um, there was actually in Minnesota, there was a lady there. She worked in the J1 office, uh, Katie Wiseman. She was very good. Um, it took, see, it just, with COVID and everything, that was like a really big curveball because you were, you were kind of stuck looking at the news. You were like, are we because Ireland was on the red list for the US for a while and all that kind of stuff um, but it was literally waiting for not like the, when you're applying for your, like your visa uh, going up to the embassy and stuff you have to wait for correspondence and they have to fill out applications on their side for you <clears throat> before you get like uh, documents to go up to Dublin so the lady was working away on these but there's such a long process like it could take them. I started, I think, for Minnesota. I think the process started in May or June. Okay. And to be honest, I didn't even know that I was 100% gone until about, I'd say, two weeks before I ha- I was due to bloody jet off. So I'm going to tie two questions here together. So uh, would you recommend, you know, going abroad or looking at the States as a, a placement, uh, as a viable placement ch- opportunity for other students who may be coming behind you? Oh, a million percent. I couldn't recommend it like any more. But uh, one thing I will say is there's a lot of glitz and glamour like that I'm naming there that you're over there doing this and you're going to match days and all this. But <coughs> there's a lot of pe- things that people don't think about as well. Like when you're going over there, you're literally, you're going to be by yourself for the whole three months. There's rent that you have to, to go find apartments and the system over there works a lot different than it works here. And um, you have to be prepared to be like I was going to concerts and everything <laughs> by yourself. Like obviously you develop friends and stuff like that, but there's people with such busy schedules. It's not like when you're over here in college in Ireland and you're in, like I wasn't in class with these people. So schedules kind of conflict and stuff, but you just have to be prepared to, to be with yourself over there and going on your own initiative, uh, being prepared to kind of go outside your comfort zone because you're kind of not really used to that here until you're, kind of in the situation you know yeah and it's but it sounds like when you weigh up those you know the the, the few cons against the pros of doing it the pros win every oh, 100%. Time. especially because if it's a nutrition or even in strength and condition um because i know andrew mccarthy went down to tennessee um but it's just about 
there's so much I know it sounds terrible like there's money involved in it but to be honest like the money pushes really everything and the, the instruments or whatever the tools and stuff you'd never have them over here and um, because I used to say that over there and they wouldn't believe it but I think there's just 300 million people in America like there's yeah. 6 million people in Ireland that's 300 million more pockets for money to be in and there's donors over there that donate there was sleeping pods and everything in Minnesota there was like pitch and push just donated by people there's there's just so many external things that people don't think of yeah i think i saw today a figure i was looking I, I, as i said i was talking to someone else today who was in, involved in in um in went to university in the states and i was looking at their university and it said like the, the annual budget of the university was 170 million and then when i looked at the university in minnesota i did a double take because it said the annual budget of the university was 3.7 billion for the for the university like it's just it's on a whole different scale that we don't understand over here oh fees for students everything it's just so much going in involved and if you think of it there's a stadium like you couldn't even picture a 60,000 like that's a, it was like 40,000 seats or something I think I had 50, 51,000 I think I had a look at that as well today yeah 51,000 seats yeah and I, I think and I've seen I've seen a picture of you standing up with the crowd full behind you there somewhere oh <laughs> I say yeah I've featured on a few bits already yeah and um, What's your favourite memory from being on placement over there? Favourite memory? Um, to be honest, it's probably... Uh, you network a lot over there with people. Uh, so, uh, But it's a lot of stuff with the players as well. Like You get to build relationships with the players um, because you are kind of... Even though it's like... It is a professional environment and you're probably thinking that you'd be kind of secluded away. You're kind of you know in the background. But there was a lot of like one-on-one time say with the players like you were working you were able to sit down with a player go over things with them um, and it was just really being over in a new country in a new setting and kind of you have to kind of <laughs> out for yourself like you know you're kind of yeah. off your own initiative you make me think now like you know there's probably times where you know you might see one of those players that you were working with that undoubtedly some of them will go on to have professional careers in the nfl and you you might see them in a headline or in a match or something, and you'll be reminded of the time that you worked with them when they were collegiate students. Yeah, and like you, you, I have numbers for them and all. Like you still keep in contact. You kind of build like the friendships with them as well. So there's there's that plus side to it as well uh, yeah. over their gaining experience and you're networking with to because a lot of them the interns there. If you think of it, like that's twenty three interns. They're going to go off on twenty three different branches down their own career. So you've already kind of made uh, relationships there because even the, new, the director when I was over there said to the lads over there they were like it's great having someone out of state but the fact that I'm over here from another country like that's that's such a like a good connection for them mm-hmm. to have as well as is me because everyone every one of us is going to go down different routes and we're all going to go down different ways and if they're over there in the states they're probably going to go down the professional route like professional sports if they're interested in sports so you'll have a head in different departments and you can kind of refer to them or get on to them and ask them things that they have learned along the way as well yeah it's amazing Tyrone it sounds like you had an absolutely fantastic experience over there I'm kind of a bit jealous um, so I, I, I appreciate you taking the time to speak to me today and I hope that uh, some of the other students listening to this might be inspired to follow in your footsteps I hope so and I hope I've made a relationship that maybe <laughs> people think they can do it as well because 
to be honest, is as simple as just getting one good message back on the likes of LinkedIn or whatever. All it takes is one reply. So I definitely wouldn't tell people to ping out as many messages as you can. All you need is one good reply. And just chant your arm in for the highest that you can. Very good. That's good advice. Right. We will leave it there with that good piece of advice. Aim high and hope for one good reply. Yeah, exactly. Tyrone, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. think if I had my time again, I would definitely explore options like this for placement and work experience. When I was an undergrad, the USA seemed like some far-off exotic land. In reality, these days, it is much more accessible. Tyrone echoed what Eva Richardson said in the last episode. Just start to contact places and ask for opportunities. You may have to send out a lot of messages, but you only need one offer. It was also really interesting to hear about a divi- how a Division 1 football team is supported. The complexity seems to be in the scale and size of the operation, not the complexity of the actual work being done. As always, if you're doing the basics correctly, you're probably doing a pretty good job. Okay, that's it for today. If you've made it this far, you might do one more thing and share the episode. It's great to spread the word and build our audience. As always, if you'd like to get in touch, you can catch me on Instagram at B underscore Wardrop. I welcome any feedback or suggestions that you might have for the show. Okay, that's it for today. I'll catch you in the next episode.